We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Wednesday afternoon edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast, presented as always by WinBet. Check out winbet.com, the presenting sponsor of all Rotowire fantasy podcasts. Nick Whalen back with Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, we're just going to do kind of a rundown of some of the biggest NBA news items uh, from this Wednesday, and, and quite a quite a bit going on. We got a another vague Zion Williamson update. Uh, we, we got Kyrie making his debut tonight at Indiana. Klay uh, Thompson looking increasingly likely like he's going to play uh, Sunday against the Cavaliers. But I want to start with uh, some somewhat concerning news, at least, uh, regarding Damian Lillard, who kind of got the Zion Williamson treatment with the update uh, that the Blazers released today, uh, which was essentially a non-update, saying that he's going to be reevaluated again next week. He's already been ruled out for the next three games, which means he won't play Wednesday against Miami. He won't play Friday against Cleveland, and he will not play Monday uh, or excuse me, Sunday against Sacramento which I thought was weird because they, they have a back-to-back Sunday, Monday. So apparently he could maybe play in the second half of that on Monday. Um, my guess is he probably misses at least the next four games. Uh, but, but either way, this is uh, quickly devolving into a even more concerning situation, I think, than we thought with Lillard, who, who missed some time early in December, got the cortisone shot, came back and, and actually looked pretty good for a couple weeks. And, you know, apparently is, is still just being bothered by that abdominal injury that, we think dates maybe all the way back to the end of last season or at least to the Olympics in the summer. Yeah, the uh, the cortisone shot must have been doing some heavy lifting and that, that probably wore off. Because like you mentioned, the, his, the past nine games that he's played, he's been 30 points on 20 shots, you know, six assists. Like he's been pretty much the old Damian Lillard. Came to the free throw line 10 times uh, during that stretch. But I guess, I, guess, I mean, a cortisone shot doesn't do anything, I think, except like what just cure the cure the pain but like get rid of the pain so and you just can't keep doing that over and over and over again and yeah it sounds like he's potentially at risk of being shut down for an extended period of time and at that point 
you know, I mean, the team's 14 and 22. You're obviously like sooner than later, you're going to have to start asking questions about like, do we just give up on the season and let Anthony Simons uh, <laughs> take the keys? Yeah, I uh, th- that's kind of where I was going to go with this because I mean, th- <laughs> things are not looking good in the standings. I mean, not necessarily the Simons part of that, but uh, yeah, I mean, Portland is very firmly in that, you know, Kings, Pelicans, Thunder, and like, even the Rockets are starting to catch up to them uh, at the <laughs> bottom of the Western Conference standings. Like the, things are not good. They're eight games under 500. Like think of how much of a disaster, you know, it, we, we think the Lakers have been. The Lakers are over 500 at this point. They've won three straight. So, you know, Portland, I think, has just kind of flown under the radar as uh, kind of a disastrous season. Um, you know, obviously there were a lot of questions about Lillard's future coming into this year. And I mean, if you're Portland, this has gone about as badly as it could have gone. Uh, you know, the only way I guess it could be worse is if Lillard stayed healthy and was playing really well and everybody else around him was was kind of causing these issues. But I mean, frankly, Lillard's injury and, you know, really not being at 100 percent for most of the season is a big part of the reason that Portland is 14 and 22 right now. And, you know, of course, CJ McCollum has been hurt. Uh, you know, they've been hit with with COVID, as has pretty much every other team. Nurkic has just kind of been the same guy that we've seen the last couple of years. But I, I don't know. I mean, th- th- does this situation seemingly make it maybe a little bit easier to to potentially move Lillard, whether it's at the deadline or, you know, explore kind of a full blow up in the offseason? I mean, I think this kind of exposes that they're almost out of options, you know, like it. They were basically hovering around 500 when Lillard was at his peak anyway. And, you know, we all kind of know, like, the C.J. McCollum rumors that are always floating around. But it's just like, again, you look at their team, there's expiring contracts that just aren't that valuable. There are guys that are tough to trade. Where are you getting back? I mean, it seems like this is a good opportunity to blow it up. Like, the momentum has completely died on this team. I mean, if you're talking about you know, not wanting to blow a team up while they have decent momentum or they're like running in neutral. They're not anymore. They're going, they're basically going up a hill in neutral. Um, Like it's just, I understand they don't want to give up on Lillard and they just, they just hired Chauncey Billups, who I don't think I've heard any single person mention this entire year. Um, And I just, if I were them, I mean, maybe you just, at this point you just let it go. I don't know. I don't know what you're, what more you're going to get out of these players than you've already gotten out of them. The only thing I've heard uh, about Chauncey Billups is when he was complaining about nobody trying. So, you know, that's (laughs) That's usually not a great sign when 15 games into the year, you're questioning your team's like will to win NBA basketball games. But yeah, I mean, this has quickly gone south. I mean, I I, I would almost say we're to the point where you could cross Portland off even as a potential playoff team. I mean, we're we're very quietly approaching the halfway point in the season. Some teams are going to cross that mark even before the end of the week. So you know, there's not a ton of time to go on a run and, and all of a sudden climb up the standings. And, you know, I mean, they're they're going to be in the mix for a play-in spot by default. But, you know, the gap between a team like the Blazers and a team like the Clippers who are in eighth right now, like once they get Kawhi and Paul George back, uh, you know, the Lakers, despite all their troubles, are, are still in a better spot once they get Anthony Davis back. Like, there's, right. there's really just no clear way out here for Portland that even if Lillard were to miraculously move past this injury and start playing like himself – you know, I don't I don't think anybody feels any differently about this Blazers team than we have like the last eight years. I mean, you're right in saying they have a chance of the play in, but they have just the same amount of chances of playing as like the Thunder, who have one fewer win than Portland does. And it's like, yeah, you know, uh, based on vibes, I don't think uh, Portland should be <laughs> vying for the play in spot like, yeah. you know, top five worst vibes in the league. 
I mean, at this point, like Sacramento is like, hey, we've gotten some nice games out of Halliburton. Fox had a good game the other night. You know, Minnesota's got momentum. Scrappy Spurs team. The Pelicans are like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe we have a shot here. Um, you know, Josh Hart's a superstar now. So, like, I and again, like you mentioned, what are their options? Again, like it's you look at their contract situation. It's just it's bad. Like, obviously, they're paying Lillard a ton, you know, but like you also have tons of expiring guys like Covington's expiring. Nurkic is expiring. You have to figure out what to do with Simons, who's expiring. And everybody else on the team is just like not good. So it doesn't matter. But that's also part of the problem. Right. I mean, they they do have some ways out as far as, you know, obviously, if you trade Lillard, you are, are, are going to big back a monster package, even though his value is maybe a, a tiny bit lower than it was a year ago. He's still Damian Lillard. And I, I think he's still shown enough to believe that, you know, when healthy, he can he can still have at least like two to four uh, high level peak years remaining. And, you know, you maybe end up taking a slight loss on McCollum if you trade him. But, you know, it's not like you're going to have to you know trade him for the John Wall contract or anything like that. I mean, he's still a valuable player. So it's not like you're you're just looking at, you know, five years of oblivion after this. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it becomes harder if you try to keep Lillard and build around him, you know, because he's he's really the only like high, high value piece that you have. And obviously it's, it's difficult to part ways with the franchise icon. And it's especially if he says, I want to stay here. You know, it's, t- it's tough to look him in the eyes and say, no, thank you. And I don't think they would do that. But realistically, I, I don't really know how you retool around Lillard. If anything, it seems like you could you could send out guys like Covington and Nurkic and McCollum and Nance, but you're probably just bringing bringing back a different mix of guys who are at the end of the day on the same talent level. Right, and I mean they've tried retooling before. This is like what like the this is maybe like the fourth iteration of kind of like the modern Blazers. Like this is you know post Aminu Harkless era. Um, you know, like uh, I just. Like you mentioned, it's just you can try to shuffle the board around and stay competitive, but I just don't think you're getting, you know, like uh, equal value when you're trading these guys for other guys. Like, I don't think the, the ideal trade exists out there where you're getting equal value or gaining value on most of these contracts. And on the other hand, if you do decide to tank, you actually you have peace. You have good enough pieces to where you're going to get legitimate assets back if you decide to move on. Obviously, you get a huge haul for Lillard. McCollum will get you something. Even Nurkic on like a, uh, you know, a expiring will probably get you like uh, some picks or a, a prospect or something. But um, it definitely feels like it's it would be easier for them to just kind of let it go. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner. WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. 
That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's Fantasy Podcast. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes who have the biggest impacts on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. That will give you access to everything on our website, not just our NBA content, all of our other sports, a ton of value wrapped up in that free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you can go about claiming your free Rotowire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, step three, play in your first paid contest and then you'll receive that free six-month Rotowire subscription. Thrive Fantasy, check it out today. The NBA season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to go big on daily fantasy basketball this season. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests, which are now shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS, as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo's giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. Yahoo will have daily NBA contests all season long as well. Play a single game contest of your choice throughout the week. Then join Yahoo's weekly Friday main NBA contest to compete for large cash prizes. Play daily fantasy basketball on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 offer and get started today. So we get Kyrie back in action tonight for the Nets. Uh, you know, by the time this goes live, the game will be like an hour away. So we don't necessarily need to do a full preview here, but I, I think it is interesting to, to break down like just how many games Kyrie is going to actually be able to play it. Like just this month alone, um, you know, the, the Nets are in the midst of a, I think, seven out of nine game uh, streak where seven of those nine games are at home. Uh, and one game was rescheduled. That was a road game uh, that was previously postponed. So they will play at Portland on Monday. But Kyrie's going to play tonight. He will not be able to play at home against Milwaukee on Friday. He won't be able to play at home against the Spurs on Sunday. Should be able to play in Portland on Monday. Should be able to play in Chicago on Wednesday. Uh, but then it's two more home games and, you know, they're, they're, they have a couple more road games the rest of the way. But two of those are against Washington and against Golden State, where, correct me if I'm wrong, I, he will not be able to play in those, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. But this this <laughs> this is starting to feel like uh, if you play like a rec basketball league and you have some guy who's like technically on the team, but he lives like an hour and a half away and you can't always show up. So he comes to like two of the 10 games and it's like, it's great when he's there. Um, <laughs> it's just, the situation is still so bizarre. And, you know, I know that it sounds like the, I mean, the NFL and it sounds like the NHL now are kind of leaning or getting towards a point where if you're not symptomatic, it's just kind of like, well, you know, we're not, we're not going to bother anymore. So again, like I mean, we've said it before, he might just end up waiting out the league on this one. And I guess, you know, if you're the Nets and you think that's coming, you'd rather have him be playing than not playing. If you are actually anticipating the league really loosening up the the protocols. 
Right. And, you know, I, I think the league could maybe get there. I, you know, in, in some ways it seems like cities are going the other way though. Right. You know, like DC didn't have this mandate until just recently. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to affect in going into effect in January. Um, I mean, I'm going to the Bucks game tonight and masks are, are now required at Fiserv. Uh, we've, you know, Toronto playing without fans. Um, you know, yeah. Toronto, I believe also has a similar mandate uh, with vaccines. So even looking ahead to February, by my count, Kyrie is only going to be eligible to play in like five or six games in the month of February. And it's going to be the same in March. Like he's, he's really only going to have somewhere between like 15 and 20 games under his belt, uh, assuming he stays fully healthy and is actually active for, for all the games he's eligible to play in. But I, I at the end of the day, do you think this is going to be more trouble than it's worth for Brooklyn? Or do you think they essentially are going to win every game that they play with Kyrie, um, you know, assuming he's in shape and ready to go? I don't know. I mean, at the beginning of the season, it kept being uh, played as like, oh, it's going to be a distraction if he only plays, uh, if he only plays road games, or it's just we're not going to accommodate him because it's ridiculous. The more I kind of think about it, the more I just feel like it almost won't matter at all. Like it just, it won't. Like he'll just show up when he does, and he'll play, and they'll be like, cool, Kyrie's here, and not that much will change because the only people that are losing playing time will be like Patty Mills and Cam Thomas. Uh, and it's for like two games, three games a month. Uh, that's an over-exaggeration. It'd probably be like five games a month. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I think it seems like it's it's going to be this huge story, but I think people are, it's just going to fizzle out and kind of die. Um, and it's just something we'll have to remember. <laughs> like, for our jobs, we'll have to remember like, oh, it's an away game. We have to make sure Kyrie's got a projection and stuff like that. Like, and it's, it's just going to be one of those situations that's going to feel weirdly normal at some point. I don't think it's going to be a distraction for the team at all. Like those guys know Kyrie, you know, he's been around to some degree. Uh, they clearly respect him as a player. I, I would imagine that at some point in this whole process, at least the key players on the team, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Marcus Aldridge, you know, whoever else were consulted about this. And I think if the team didn't want him back, he wouldn't come back. So at some yeah. level they had to sign off on this. So it, I, you know, like, I don't think it's really much of a distraction there, especially in a season where every team has guys coming in and out seemingly every single game. Like, I, you know, it's not like the Nets are in this great rhythm right now anyway, where you want to disrupt it. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue at all, but it will definitely be a distraction in terms of Steve Nash having to answer questions, Kevin Durant, James Harden having to answer questions, Kyrie himself having to answer questions. There'll, there'll certainly be some criticism. This is going to be a major topic, um, you know, coming out of Wednesday's game, depending on how Kyrie plays. So it's going to be a distraction there. It just depends how much those guys pay attention to that stuff, which, you know, if you're someone like Durant, who's been in the league since what, like 07, I, you know, I don't really think you care what Stephen A. Smith has to say about Kyrie Irving at this point. No, I, I agree. I think, I think it'll be a big story at first, but again, I think eventually it'll just, the reporters will be like, well, what can, what more can we actually ask about this? Like what more is Kevin Durant going to say other than, we're glad to have Kyrie here when he's available. And like, you can only just keep like banging, you know, trying to like bang yep. these guys over the head with like questions, like gotcha questions. And it's just, I think it's going to become apparent that they like really just don't care that much. There are just no good quotes left in the NBA. Players are way too <laughs> smart, right? I mean, like you just yeah. don't, I, those questions are never going to go anywhere. It, it, Kevin Durant's always going to take the high road. You know, Ky Kyrie could come back and he, he could go over 20 from the field tonight. And I guarantee you, Kevin Durant would say it was great to have him back. You know, he'll, he'll find a stroke. Like, you're never going to get that controversial quote, especially from a teammate. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you on that 100%. We're also getting the return 
of Clay Thompson uh, this coming weekend. That should be Sunday uh, against the Cavaliers. As as Bob Myers promised uh, a while back, uh, he said they have to bring him back for a home game just so he gets the ovation. Um, yeah. And it's going to be awesome. I mean, this is a, a Sunday night game against the Cavs. I, I don't I assume it's not going to be on national TV. I mean, we got, you know, um, very consequential NFL games being played uh, in that same time slot. But this will be one that, you know, could, could maybe be picked up by NBA TV or will certainly be one to tune into for League Pass because, I mean, it's going to be, I did the math the other day, it's over 900 days since Clay Thompson has played in an NBA game. It was the, the 2019 finals, of course, uh, against Toronto. What are your expectations for Clay? What are your fantasy expectations for Clay? Um, you know, what has to happen for, like, how good does he have to be, I guess, for, for the Warriors to, you know, who are number one in the West to clearly solidify themselves as the title favorite? I mean, it, my expectations are relatively low, but I don't mean that in like a disrespectful way. Like you said, he's gone 900 days without playing an NBA game. I'd be shocked if he played like 20 minutes. Um, and there's only so much like, there's only so much practice shooting you can do. It's it's just going to be different in a, in a game and plus nerves are involved in general. I mean, I think, you know, maybe he ramps back up and after the all-star break, we start getting like the 30 minutes a game, Clay Thompson. I mean, I don't really have any doubt that he's going to be a great three point shooter. Maybe it's not 42% or 43%. Maybe it's 38% or something like that. But I think he'll be, I think he'll be worth rostering in fantasy. I think he'll be, I think he'll be good overall. Um, and I think, I think, it's going to be hard for us to say whether, you know, his addition is going to be a game changer for the for the Warriors until we see him at full strength. But I could easily see that being the case because, you know, like the guys they're throwing out there right now, it's like he's probably just going to replace some minutes from like Damian Lee and Juan Toscano Anderson and like Bielitsa and guys like that. And he's like, <laughs> obviously, he's clearly better than those guys. So they're adding I mean, they're adding Clay Thompson back. Uh, and eventually we're gonna get Wiseman, but I'm overall I'm just I'm really excited. Really haven't heard a peep about James Wiseman in in, in a very long time. I keep forgetting I that that he's actually an option for them. And the further we get into the season, the less I'm willing to believe that he's gonna be a major impact player for them. Like I, I think with Wiseman at this point, it's hopefully we can get something out of him. Hopefully he shows enough that you know, he can kind of keep his value afloat. I think that's the bigger priority. Right now, like if, if you're if you're the Warriors, you're not saying like, you know, James Wiseman's going to be a big part of what we're doing in the Western Conference Finals. Like, I, I think you have to you have to almost have to assume the worst with him and anything you get out of him, at least for this year, uh, is a bonus. But on the clay front, I mean, I, I I hope I'm not being overly optimistic, but I have like no concern that the shooting's going to come back. Like, I, I don't know that he's going to be a 42 percent three point shooter the rest of the way, but I, I have a hard time believing he's going to come back and, and struggle you know, for any extended period of time, maybe, maybe needs a few games or a couple of weeks even to shake the rust off, but he's been so consistent. The mechanics are there. You know, he's not a, a guy who's dribbling between the legs and stepping back and, you know, it's all catch and shoot really with him. And for the most part, he, he's been able to work on that for the last several months while rehabbing two lower body injuries, you know? So I, I don't think it's not like he's coming back from like a, a broken hand or something where you kind of worry about needing to readjust or kind of change how you shoot. Um, I, I think he's going to be a monster from three right away. The question for me is how does he move? Like, is, is he yeah. still a, you know, for fantasy purposes, is he still like a one steal a game guy? Um, I mean, he was even the last few years, he never dipped below a half a block per game, which for a player of his archetype is really good. Um, you know, he was still good around the rim. Field goal percentage was always 46, 47, 48%. 
Um, so I, I'm very confident that the shooting will be there. I, I just wonder if he's still this, you know, really underrated all around player that he was pre-injury. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was going to go. It's just like, what's his comp confidence level, like off the dribble, like the pump fake and drive, um, yep. you know, and like the defense aspect of it. Cause obviously like they were relying on him as a primary defender on like the other team's best wing. Um, so I think, I think it's those aspects that you have to be more concerned about. Sure. But again, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't even have to be that good at those things if you're coming out and shooting, you know, I mean, basically like he's a first career, he's 42%. Right. And that's, you don't even have to shoot that good to be a, a crazy threat if you're taking enough threes. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see on the, the athleticism front, but that's, I think that's, that's the bigger concern. Yeah. I guess the worst case scenario is you're adding like peak Kyle Korver to this Warriors team. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that. I mean, that's that, that's kind of like the downside with Clay Thompson uh, at this point. But yeah, I, I my expectations are high. I, you know, I, I think more than anything, you just worry about the body holding up. Um, I, I, I can't necessarily see him, you know, coming back and, and, and struggling to shoot the ball. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We do need to talk about Zion. Uh, hinted at this at the top. I mean, we, we get kind of another update, non-update from the Pelicans. And essentially the biggest news portion of today's update is that he is now for some reason moving his rehab to Portland, Oregon, of all places. You know, he's just... Maybe he's a coffee guy. Um, Hard to say. You know, I mean, Andrew, also Andrew Lopez with the tweet saying that the team arranged transportation for him, which is very bizarre. Uh, just weird phrasing. Like he's some sort of like thing that has to be moved. Um, 
I I don't really know what to think of it. Like, <laughs> I guess like if if they're not expecting him to return anytime soon, I would imagine. I don't know. I otherwise, I, does he have a second home? Does he have family in Portland? Like I, just I don't really understand. He's just he's just a big just a big Portland guy. I don't I don't really know what to make of it overall, except that like it, it's not good news. I mean, my first thought when I saw Portland, Oregon is like, oh, is this connected to like Nike somehow? Oh, uh, yeah. But I I don't really know what that would be about, you know, unless unless they have some sort of facility up there that, you know, he's more comfortable with. I, I, I'm really not sure. As usual, you know, the story breaks and then you see like the, you know, Woj or whoever it is for ESPN, like writes up a story on it. And the story is just like a rephrasing of the tweet. Um, so that there's really not there's not a lot here to you know, there's a quote from Zion, but it, it really doesn't, you know, get into why he's going to Portland. Um, you know, if anything, like the quote sounds like a goodbye almost to, yeah. to New Orleans. It's like, I really love the city. I, I love the support. Uh, it's like, are you ever coming back here? I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's very strange that apparently the Pelicans, it says even arranged transportation for Williamson out of New Orleans. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would think so. Who else would arrange it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, also, like, in the, in that story, it says uh, it was decided by our medical team to dial back his rehab to only partial weight-bearing activities. He continues along that path. We also agreed that in order to put Zion in the best position to succeed, he will rehab away from the team so he can focus at the task at hand. <laughs> See, what is the task like at hand? To, yeah, they're sending him to boarding school. Yeah, like, he has to focus on the task at hand of not putting weight on his foot? Like, is he... The, do they... Like, is. <laughs> Is, he, is, is there like a better couch and TV setup over there? Like, I, I don't know. It'd be one thing if there were, if I, I guess it's a, a possibility there's a better gym there for, for foot rehabilitation. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't you know. Would, if that were the case, you would, you would state that, right? I mean, if you're David right. Griffin, you would say, you know, you would say, look, our medical team did a great job, but you know, there's a world-class specialist that he's meeting with, or, <laughs> you know, it, it, the whole thing makes it sound like, we don't want to deal with this anymore because he wasn't taking it seriously here. So we're sending him, you know, we're, we're basically, you know, getting him away from the team because for whatever reason, you know, being around us is a distraction. I mean, that's, that's how I read it. It could be. Yeah. It could be like, we're sick of answering questions about him. Like just, he's away. Like please contact Zion. If you have any further questions regarding his availability, like I, I it's just so bizarre. It, it really does feel like we're the over under is like two and a half weeks in terms of, yeah, he's, he's not coming back. Right. I mean, so we're, you know, I'm looking at his estimated return date on this really good website, rotowire.com right now. And, right. you know, we had it set for, for January 31st. I think we got to push it back. I mean, there's no way he's playing this month at this point. I mean, he <laughs> no. literally just left the team today. That's not happening. I, I, I mean, I think we got to move it back to, like at this point, best case scenario is he returns after the all-star break, which would be like February 25th. And at that point, you're looking at basically six weeks left in the regular season, which at that point, the Pelicans will likely be, you know, completely out of the playoff race. I, I, I don't think he's playing. I, I think if you could give me odds on, you know, will Zion Williamson play in one NBA game this year? I think it's like no minus 200 at this point. Probably. I mean, you'd still get people on the other side of that. But like, again, I've hammered it home. Like every, every time we get a Zion update, every update's bad. And if it's good, it's followed by a bad update. Um, so like, or it's just like corrected to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, this is vague, but it's bad because it's vague. And 
Um, yeah, that quote that you read is just hilarious to me. I just, I, you know, love the city of New Orleans. Thank right. you. I'm like, what? Where are you going? <laughs> See you later. Peace out, guys. <laughs> yeah, like, that's just like, I'm never coming back here. Um, <laughs> another interesting quote today from Travis Schlenk, GM oh, yeah. uh, of the Atlanta Hawks. You don't see a lot of quotes uh, like what Travis Schlenk said today. Um, I, I believe this was in a radio interview, uh, like one that he, he regularly does uh, in Atlanta. But I mean, you don't see, you don't see GMs like whether they're on the record or you know on a radio show or whatever. You don't see you don't see guys you know talk as uh, I guess frankly as he did, uh, where he basically says you know I, maybe I should lower my expectations for this team. You know maybe we shouldn't have brought everyone back. Um, there's no sense of urgency to get a stop. Um, it's my responsibility to put a product on the floor that can win. And right now I'm not sure I've done that. Like we're halfway through the season right now. This is something that you would say after your team flames out, you know, embarrassingly in, in round one of the playoffs and there's nothing going on and somebody's interviewing you in the off season. Like this is not something you say in the middle of the season when your team is still, like, I don't know. I'm not out on the Hawks. I, I think they've had a ton of injuries. They've, they've been hit with COVID like everybody has, like, I mean, yeah, it's been somewhat of a disappointing season, but at the same time, after making the East Finals last year, I don't think anyone was like, all right, they're the second best team in the East now. You know, you got to be realistic about this. Did I think they would be four games under 500 and sitting in 12th place right now? No, but they're also, you know, what, three, four games out of being in fifth place. So, you know, it, it, these these quotes are a little too doom and gloom, I think, for what's actually been happening on the court. Yeah, I I mean, I expected them to be better because pretty much everybody on the team is was in a position or is in a position age wise to get better from last season. So, like, if you're Travis Schlank, you're like, well, I have this great young team that looked really good and they should be better this next year. The problem is a bunch of other teams in the East got better. You know, Chicago comes out of nowhere. Cleveland comes out of nowhere. Um, and I think the concern just has to be like that. They're they're 28th in defense. Right. It's like I think that was that was one of his main issues was like they're giving up, you know, as much as they score, essentially, but in a bad way because they're scoring 114 points a game. And, you know, I mean, saying that he shouldn't have brought everybody back is like an insane quote um, again in the middle of the year. As much as everybody's been saying, like, hey, maybe they should consolidate. Trey Young himself is obviously part of the problem because he can't defend at all. I saw like a I mean, he. A clip went borderline viral of Anthony Simons just bodying him at the the free throw line, and Trey Young flies all the way back practically into the stanchion. Um, well, I mean that's Anthony, Anthony Simons. That's a that's a big bodied guard. Yeah, the the Zion Williamson of point guards. Um, but there, obviously, it's just I don't I don't know what to make of this. I mean, obviously, we should expect trades coming sooner than later. I think so, and. You know, I mean, on one hand, I'm looking back like last season through 36 games, they were 16 and 20. This season through 36 games, they're 16 and 20. So, you know, yeah, you, you took a step back relative to where you finished last season, but you also took off over the second half of last season and something clicked. And then obviously you made it all the way uh, to the penultimate series. So it, it's not like that can't happen again. Uh, obviously, you, you prefer to you know pick up where you left off and, and not have uh, that same kind of slow start. But um yeah, I mean, I think going into the season, we always kind of knew that they were a little too deep, right? It's like, did you really have to bring Lou Williams back? Um, you know, like even re-signing Kevin Herter seemed like kind of an unnecessary luxury signing when you just got Bogdanovich. You know, you still have DeLon Wright, who's a pretty solid backup. Um, it always felt like they had to choose 
you know, you, you kind of had to choose two of like Bogdanovich, Reddish, Herter, and Lou Williams, and they brought them all back. And on top of that, they brought back Talon Wright, and they brought back Danilo Gallinari. Like, you, you just have too many pieces. And, you know, they've had so many COVID issues lately that that's been kind of a good thing, I guess. But in the long run, you you have a team that has one really, really good player in Trey Young, another very good player in John Collins, a, a pretty good player in Clint Capella, a pretty good player in Bogdanovich. But after that, like, all those guys, to me, don't really move the needle all that much. You know, I think the money that they paid Kevin Herter, I think that was a mistake. Um, you know, Cam Reddish had that one, like, really good game in the East Finals, and it felt like that flipped the narrative on his entire season. Like, for the most part, he's been really inconsistent. So if their expectation was that Cam Reddish was going to come in and average 20 a game and, you know, finally live up to, like, the Tracy McGrady comps that he was getting in high school, like, that's just not who that dude's been really since he was in high school. No, and, you know, they still... It's weird because if you're a, if you're a team that's really deep, you should actually be better in the regular season, and then in the playoffs you should struggle because the rotations get tighter. So the fact that you're struggling in the regular season adds a deep team's kind of a problem. But like, yeah, I think they also just, they don't have a strong number two, right? Like, I like John Collins a lot, but he shouldn't be your second best player. I mean, he's taking the second most shots on the team, which by the way is only 12 shots a game. Um, and like Bogdanovich is not a number two guy. And like, I, I don't think Regish is turning into that guy. Like you mentioned as much as I like Deandre Hunter, like the injuries have been an issue and I don't think he's a number two guy. So it's like, yeah, it feels like they do need to consolidate and just get someone that's like near Trey Young's level or maybe even better than him, but that's probably not possible. You know, obviously with the, you know, trading like, uh, parts, like if they could get Beal, that'd be great. Um, but I just don't think that's, I mean, I, doesn't seem like the Wizards are ready to give them up. They have a great team on paper, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, you you, you want to do like a three for one type of trade, but you you would prefer to hang on to Collins. You'd prefer to hang on to Capella, and you, you know you probably ref, you obviously would prefer to hang on to Trey Young. And if you're not trading any of those three guys, then you know it's really hard to go get a top twenty or even a top thirty player. You know, like but you could you could use Bogdanovich, but you know he's a lot older than he seems. You know, guy who arrived to the NBA late. Uh, Herder on that new contract, I, I think, becomes a lot less attractive as a trade chip. You know, so like what what is packaging Bogdanovich, Herder, and Cam Reddish, or you know even you could throw in Nanyeka Kongwu, who I like a lot, but still doesn't move the needle that much. You know, like what kind of player are you getting there? It's like could could that I don't know if that even gets you like a Sabonis type. I don't know. I mean, in theory, maybe they could try to move Capella if they really believe in Okongwu that much. Because what was Okongwu, yeah. like the eighth pick or some, something, something like that? that. Sixth, sixth oh, pick. Wow. Yeah. I, and, I think he's been awesome. Went out there, which has been very rare. Right. And I think DeAndre Hunter is interesting for a, a tanking team, you know, if they're willing to move him just because he hasn't really, like, really... You don't want to trade a guy necessarily before he has a chance to make an impact for your team. But on the other hand, it's like the franchise has kind of almost moved on without him. Yeah. Um, I I do think they have moves and they could do something big, which it seems like what Travis Schlenk is alluding to. And I wouldn't be surprised because he's made huge. I mean, he's made big moves in the past, right? Like, first of all, I mean, starting off with the the basically the Luka Doncic for Trey Young swap that was huge. Um, and signing, you know, making a ton of offseason moves, getting Bogdanovich and and Gallinari last year, like that was all really big stuff. When people are like, why are they doing this? This team is awful, you know. So. I, we, I don't think we should be surprised by anything that, that kind of happens from Atlanta. I think on the trade front, the problem is, 
you know, Capella could go either way. I think there are some teams that would probably love to have Capella. There are other teams that say he's just too limited. You know, you like when you have him out there, there's only so much you can do. He's just, you know, sub 50% free throw shooter. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to win with a guy like that at the highest level. So he, you know, he could go either way as far as trade assets go. I, I think, I think Collins would be really attractive for a lot of teams, especially with how he shot the three, but Bogdanovich just played much worse than last year. You know, Lou Williams at this point in his career is probably a, a year or two away from retiring. You know, yeah. Herder's taken a step back from where he was at the end of last year. Reddish, uh, you know, still very much a project player, uh, even, even in his third year. Like, I, I don't feel like any of those guys have improved their value. And, and DeAndre Hunter, I think, is interesting, but he's got some pretty serious injury concerns and, you know, still wasn't even that great in, in the few games that he was healthy this year. So, you know, while they have all these pieces that they want to trade, I ultimately don't know that you're going to end up with the type of upgrade that you'd like. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And there's only so much these guys can show off what they do because Trey Young is so heliocentric, right? Like he's he's taking 21 shots a game. It's 10 assists a game. It's like Herder's taking nine shots, you know? Like Regish, people are acting like Regish is having a great year and he's on the verge of whatever. It's like he's 10 shots a game. So it's like a lot of these guys don't even have an opportunity to like really, I think, do what they are able to do. So, I mean, maybe there's some hidden value there, but yeah, I'm, if I was a team, I'd, I'd want like some of these guys. It's just, what does Atlanta want back? You know, do they want another high usage guy? Uh, ideally that guy's it for, I think if you're Atlanta too, you have to try to get two way guy. Cause if Atlanta, if Trey young is this bag right. of defense for his whole career, it's like, you need like if you're going to get a backcourt player, you need someone like a Drew Holiday type. Or if you're going to get a wing, you have to make sure they're also good at defense because you can't just run, you can't you can't have the 20th ranked defense or even like the 15th ranked defense and and win an NBA title. Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's like having to compensate for a big man who doesn't stretch the floor, right? Where it's like it's like the defensive version of that. It's like you have this, you know, you have this like Rudy Gobert type of guy who's amazing on defense, but on offense. You know, if the other team doesn't have to guard him, that creates major issues. So you, you basically have to assure that the other four guys that are out there with him at all times can shoot. Otherwise, things are going to get congested and your offense is going to suck. And I think the Hawks are experiencing the defensive version of that, where, you know, it, unless the other four guys are awesome and can compensate for the one guy's deficiencies, it's really, really hard to be successful. Yeah, and I think they had like kind of a plan for that because Capella's a defender and DeAndre Hunter's yeah. a defender and Cam Regish, you draft him because he's a defender and <laughs> a Kongwu. Like I think they they went out and did kind of the right thing. It's just it hasn't those guys have failed in other ways, whether it be injuries or they can't get their offense going, or Capella obviously himself can't hit a free throw to save his life. Um and then with some of the other offensive players just not performing up to what you'd hope, it's just it kinda all comes crashing down so suddenly. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they go, because it, it, looking back, is it's, it's almost like a bad thing that they made it as far as they did, because I feel like that accelerated their timetable and maybe put some unrealistic expectations on this team and, and kind of forced like a panic re-signing of Kevin Herter because he played so well during that run. They're like, how can we possibly lose him when in reality, you know, th this team was probably not actually the second best team or even the third or fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, at the same time, I mean, Trey Young is this good, right? Like, offensively. Yes. Like, yes. He's, he's 30 and 10. You know, I, for as bad as a defense as he is, you can't... He's 23, it's just like... But he's too good. He's too good to act like you're still a rebuilding team. And this happens to... This happened to Embiid. This happened with Giannis. 
Giannis was a little later to the party in that respect. But at a certain point, you just realize, like, oh, this guy's the real deal. Like, he's he's an all-NBA type player, future Hall of Famer. Like, we can't just go around wasting his years and, you know, potentially him get, being upset and leaving because we keep surrounding him by, like, draft picks. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair point. I mean, I, I had him at number two on my, you know, list of players under 25 who I would want for the next three years. I mean, it, it was Doncic and then it was Trey Young. And I think you could make an argument that, you know, based on the defensive limitations, you could knock him down a little bit, but I mean, he just went for 56 the other night. Like there's only a handful of guys, uh, especially at that size and that position, you know, who are capable of doing that um, on any given night. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he's a problem. I, I think obviously you would prefer that he's a much better defender. I think that would, you know, that would go a long way, but it's just never going to happen with him. You know, it, 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 he's one of those guys that, you know, maybe part of it is effort to some degree, but even when he's trying his absolute hardest, there are a lot of players in the NBA who he physically cannot defend. Yeah, some of it's effort and awareness. Like I've seen some clips of him where he's just ball watching. He's got his yeah. back turned to his guy like all the time. And he should be able to at least get more steals because he's quick, right? And he should be able to kind of uh, snatch the ball when guys are dribbling. But yeah, I mean, there's a difference between Trey Young being a, a quote-unquote bad defender and like Luka Doncic being a quote-unquote bad defender because you can't go through Luka Doncic right right exactly I mean as long as he's just around the ball and and in somewhat of the right spot you you at least you know you're gonna you're gonna plow into it I mean James Harden has kind of been going through that his entire career and that's why he's not really nearly the liability uh, I think that he used to be but all right man we got a bunch of news coming in a huge NBA slate I think we got 11 games uh, on this Wednesday night uh, I got to get over to Pfizer Forum in a little bit. So uh, we'll wrap this thing up here and you'll be back on Friday for the usual waiver wire pod. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com